it would be pretty cool if we weren't tethered to uh, financial gain. And because uh, mm-hmm. it, it certainly feels like if you're an artist and you create a great work like that, that yeah. like you should be honored and like financially incentivized for it but at the same mm-hmm. time like y- it's like not even yours to own anymore like if you if you've written a beloved work that has mm-hmm. you know transcended the cultural sphere and that's not to say like blaming the Fitzgerald estate per se is the right thing right. to do but it's just like Oh, it would be certainly be pretty cool if our culture wasn't entirely de- dependent on um, profit, or, or I don't even know. Yeah, or I mean, or like, me, yeah, I don't know. The idea that like the moment he died, it's not public domain. Like the fact that there's like an estate mm-hmm. situation to me is like wild. Because that person that created it can no longer get fucked out of it in right. any way. So yeah, how, yeah, like exactly. at that point, to me, it's like, all right. So then, an artist is gonna like, in post posthumously, be, be geared toward profits. <laughs> I wonder if we're accidentally um, like chiming in on some sort of like right wing talking point. That's like uh, defund the National Humanities Society. You know, like defund <laughs> the Endowment for the Arts. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we are. No, it's this, every think, every once in a while I wonder if like the the Jordan Peterson effect where you accidentally become a reactionary, <laughs> you know, you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. like you keep you keep talking and people listen to your opinions long enough that, that you're like, oh god, I'm a fucking Nazi. How well, we're happen? getting to that point. Like this is this is like part of my like we're coming to the end of history. Like you know, a lot of people have said that, and I and I think that about our times, obviously. But um, part part of part of what makes me think we really are coming to the end times is that we're all mad about the same shit. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast where we read Wikipedia articles and try to make sense of the world around us. We are ranked in Japan. We are making it big. New Year's. New us. Looking good. Looking good. So new. I'm, of course, joined by John Nicholas, who, New Year, New Him, is in a new house congratulations thanks virgil yeah uh it's very exciting we moved two blocks south and one block east and uh it took us five days so (laughs) (laughs) so that's good and uh and of course i'm joined by alex virgil uh who hasn't moved uh but he did a lot of traveling over the new year he was in berlin maryland he was the honorary guest for the ball drop the COVID safe ball drop of Berlin, Maryland. Yeah. So good for you, Virgil. Thank you. Um, one gripe is to make it COVID safe, they had to make it airtight. And uh, I almost died in the ball. Jesus Christ. Berlin, Maryland, continuing to post L's. 
What did uh, they do a ball this year? I don't know. Let's look it up. Old. We'll go right into old business. Right into old live. Business. This is a live old business update. Oh, that's great because I have an old business that I sent you, which is um, the Space Needles New Year's, <laughs> New Year's uh, thing, was fucking buck wild this year. It was all like digital light yeah, show shit. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy lights and stuff. <laughs> Galaxy stuff coming out of the space needle. Like they, it's like they heard you and in like two days just stepped <laughs> up their game times a million. Um, it was to the point where like the newscaster lady afterwards, there were two of them, and one was like, "Wow, that was next level," and the other lady was like, "I was confused for most of it. I'll admit, <laughs> she she was like didn't even care that she was on air. She was just like, yeah." I don't know what that was. <laughs> I did not get that. I did not understand that. Um, other ladies like trying to be nice, being all like, oh, you know, we're all oh, butterflies. You know, it turned into the galaxy turned into a butterfly because we are all transforming. You know, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, listener, it's very much worth your time. Berlin, Maryland did not have their their New Year's Eve ball drop. Mm. Uh, so I don't know what you went to Berlin, Maryland for, Verge, but uh, you're clearly lying. So, oh okay, yeah, so old business. Um, the the Space Needle blew up this year. Motherfucking blew it up, baby. Berlin, Maryland did not. Did not. Three years. It was a good run. <sighs> it was a good run, Berlin, four Maryland. Years, four years. Um, and yeah, I don't. I don't have much more to say about quantum suicide. I don't think <laughs> the steak is good. <laughs> the steak, the steak tastes good. I just like I like the steak. Um. Well, Virgil, I think you know what time it is. Yes. Bring in the ethnic music. Yeah, it is the ethnic enclave of the week. Woo! Uh, and so this week. Um, I will admit that I this segment has me so excited mm-hmm. that I researched about twenty five percent necessary, like fifteen different directions. Okay. Um, but here is the one that I would like to go with. Okay. Um, and I'm going to read straight from Wikipedia. Um, and. This is what uh, I would like to say. Okay. No U.S. state is more associated with Basque people and culture than Idaho. Oh. Basques today are an (laughs) integral part of the state's social fabric, especially in Boise. Prominent Basque American elected officials in Idaho include longtime Secretary of State Pete Senarusa, his successor, Ben Isura, both Republicans, Democrat David Beter, the current Boise mayor, as well as Republican J. David Navarro, the current clerk. Um, Basques were uh, initially drawn to Idaho by the discovery of silver, uh, and then they later, uh, they remained many to be joined by their families following them in immigration. Exact counts of Basque immigrants to Idaho are not practical to determine. Uh, because the U.S. Census did not distinguish between Basque from other Spanish immigrants, though a majority of Spanish immigrants to Idaho likely self-identified as Basque. 
and this since 1990, Boise and Guernica have been oh. sister cities. The the Basque influence, and this so uh, I would say a little bit of of kind of side background. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed. I'm personally obsessed with Basque culture. I think it's like one of the coolest and most interesting and weird um, ethnic kind yeah. of groups in the world. I mean, the Basque people have lived in Europe longer than any other recorded group of people. Mm-hmm. So long that their language is completely isolated from any other language. That- it is... It is the only language in Europe that is not an Indo-European language. Like, it not even is it like, oh, you got to go five rings up before you find a, a connection. Right. It no, has no connection. Different. Yeah. Um, I think there's a movie would, on Netflix that's Basque. That. Uh, they're Eric. probably well. The other the other reason a lot of people know of the Basques mm-hmm. is because the Basque people waged a like 60 year terrorism campaign against the Spanish government and is, is probably one of the most prolific and violent groups of people to ever, to ever exist under a, you know, like in Europe, in modern Europe to exist under a state that is not of their own like national identity. Uh, And, I, and, well, and so, and then on top of it, like I've been to Basque country mm-hmm. uh, and it is magical. Like it's green and mm-hmm. it's kind of feels a little bit enchanted, but like also the food Food's culture is really, level, really, yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, they're like tapas on steroids where they, they'll like, you go into a bar and you eat like a little bite, like off the top of the bar they just have like the entire food it's like a buffet that's ready for you and you go and you get like a little like four ounces of cider and you pick what you want it's incredible that sounds so good so with all of this in mind it is hilarious to me (laughs) and also very interesting that the basque people who are now basque americans have decided to inhabit some of the most unpleasant places in the country. Uh, so Boise, Idaho and Bakersfield, California are like the two hubs of Basque culture. Idaho has Mormons, white supremacists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. potato farmers, mm-hmm. and the Basque people. And the Basques. It sounds like they... It's like... The Basques in local politics are to what like the Koreans are in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they just like they're actually it. the ones running yeah. shit. Yeah, that's so cool. Wait, silver is there? Is are the Basque people known as known for like mining silver? Or is just some dude probably? I think was, it like... was probably similar. Like, I feel like immigration and uh, and migration in like the late nineteenth century mm-hmm. is entirely built around like minerals you know it's yeah. just like oh, totally yeah you know, gold especially the westward migration in, in the united states mm-hmm. i don't know i mean i would imagine i feel i do feel like um silver there's some association with silver in spain um but i don't i don't really Maybe. know necessarily uh 
but I yeah, isn't that great? I I also love I love, I love that. too the the Boise Guernica sister city element. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh wow, the United States is such a trip in the sense. I mean, Europe is too in that there are so many different cultures and peoples, uh, mm-hmm. and so like I don't know. To me, because of my association with how podunk idaho and boise feels to me i'm like yeah guernica whoa but at the same time like if you live in madrid or or fucking berlin you're like guernica really like that (laughs) has a sister city in the united states like they probably that's what i'm wondering they probably are worth each other you know in terms of like relevance i hope not i hope the people in Guernica are like, ugh, boys. <laughs> if it weren't for our brothers and sisters out there, like, fuck and, that place. And is it like, is, does Boise hold like a larger cultural reference point to someone living in San Sebastian than, I don't know, what's See, like, this, Philadelphia. this is where it's like, this is where it's like so easily just us talking because our idea of the, of Basque country versus fucking boise idaho (laughs) is like it's a decent amount objective in terms of where we rank both i think but at the same time like yo like i would there are so many other places in idaho i'd rather be than boise oh oh, yeah have you seen the color of their football field it's terrible it's terrible um, that's amazing though. That's yeah, wonderful. it's a fun one. It's a fun one. In Boise, uh, Boise, Idaho. I love. Also, just this Wikipedia article saying no U.S. state is more associated with Basque people and culture than Idaho. <laughs> like just, other states try. They try. Oh, they fucking try. It's so definitive and just so like confident, and yet yeah. like. Like, can you imagine, okay, you can probably imagine me saying this, but could you imagine, mm-hmm. like, meeting someone in real life and them being like, no U.S. state in the country is more associated with Basque culture than Idaho. Like, like as if like, it's, like, some... like, sports bar energy. <laughs> yeah. It has sports bar energy. It's like when, when, you told, <laughs> when you told those guys that you guys were from L.A. and they wanted to fight you. you know, <laughs> right. Like that. Yeah. That's what, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. It's Wisconsin? No, 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 no. You it, fucking it's, idiot. It's as matter of fact, yeah, as like being like Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, and no yeah. state is more associated with bass culture than Idaho. Those are the two truths. <laughs> Alright, Verge, what do you got for me? Okay, new year, new me. Um, wanted to hit the ground running. This is episode eleven, which means we've done ten episodes. Very cool. Which is great, yeah. and we've done a lot of different kinds of pages. Um, but I wanted to take it back to OG vibes. OG vibes. Okay. OG so, vibes. Today we have the Mariko Aoki phenomenon. Yes. The Mariko Aoki. Mariko M A R I K O. Yes. M A R I K O Aoki, like Steve Aoki, but I wanted to say Aoki. Okay. All right. First sentence. Here we go. The Mariko Aoki phenomenon is a Japanese expression referring to an urge to defecate 
that is suddenly felt after entering bookstores. What? What? Huh? It is a. Uh, it is referring to an urge to defecate that is suddenly felt after entering bookstores. No, stores. I heard you the first time. My, I stand by. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought I should repeat it again. Um, because the, because I said the same thing. At this point, okay. So you're like, okay, we've seen some unusual articles like this. Of course, this has a page. Of course, this is something that exists. Of course, it's from Japan. And of course, there's a page. And then I go to the content section. And this is a fucking long page. <laughs> so I did a word count. I did a word Good. count. Um, and I compared it to the heart disease page. Okay. <laughs> heart disease has 5,500 okay. words around um and that doesn't include all the bibliography like notes whatever um page content 5500 this one has 8300 words is this somebody's thesis like did some like like multiple people have done studies on this which is why the page is so long like there's this is like an actual the phenomenon's name derives from the name of the woman who mentioned the phenomenon in a magazine article in 1985 there is nothing else she's known for except this that is named after her, the need to shit upon entering a bookstore. According to Japanese social psychologist Shozo Shibuya, the specific causes that trigger a defecation urge in bookstores are not yet clearly understood as of 2014. There are also some who are skeptical about whether such a peculiar phenomenon really exists at all, and it is sometimes discussed as one type of urban myth. I'm willing to accept the urban myth idea if this page didn't have 8,000 words. Right. The series of processes through which being in a bookstore leads to an awareness of a defecation urge is something that cannot be explained from a medical perspective, at least at present, according to a number of discussions, even if it can... Okay, so basically, no one knows if this actually exists. It's just something that some some woman, Mariko Aoki, wrote about in a magazine called Book Magazine, by the way. Awesome. The Japanese magazine is called Book Magazine. Awesome. The, the letter was by a woman from Suginami City in Tokyo. Let's go. That's where I lived in high school. Oh, really? Who was, who was 29 years old at the time. Let's go. I'm 29. And stated that, I'm not sure why, but since about two or three years ago, whenever I go to a bookstore, I'm struck by an urge to move my bowels. Um, the magazine's publisher has recalled that at the time, chief editor Makotoshina included the letter because he thought it was amusing. Although the letter was short itself was short in length and was not augmented by any particular editorial comments or the like immediately upon the magazine's publication a large number of readers troubled by the same phenomenon sent opinions into the editorial department due to the scale of the reaction the next issue included a special feature article bearing the sensational title the phenomenon currently shaking the bookstore industry containing discussions on the issue from various perspectives is this something that you what do you feel? think i well okay do, do you do are you i'm, do I'm like 
So looking back, okay. I mean, when was the last time I went into like a bookstore that wasn't right. for the novelty of going to like the last bookstores, or, like a cool mm-hmm. bookstore? You know what I mean? Um, but in my life, I feel like I've taken a ton of shits in like Barnes and Nobles and Borders. Is interesting. Randomly. So okay. So I mean, if we were to really like, because I would agree. I think that the um, the insinuation that this is an like an urban legend mm-hmm. is pretty um, has kind of an orientalizing, yeah, or like is kind of is kind of like like a whitewashing. Like it, it doesn't make sense. It's like mm. it's like all right. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna believe ASMR, or mm. like if you if you can understand that that this is not a universally felt situation mm-hmm. then you can you you don't have the authority to say that this is not real mm. you know what i mean like like at the end of the day it it it, it is innately real even if it only affects like 0.01% of the population i love that cuz part of the reason i brought this up was uh in relation to our previous discussions about what deserves um, Wikipedia pages in terms of, like, determining whether something is real or not, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I love that you're landing on the side that this is, like, very much... This, this to me, deserves more of a page than the men going their own way movement. <laughs> like, this is... This is material in some way like i think the fact that people i don't know what to what extent people agree with this or adhere to this in themselves right but mariko aoki clearly felt it in the sense that she had to write into book magazine (laughs) um and so so there is there's some there's some element of reality to it right and what i love is the possibility of how much more that she manifested it there are clear well i this is something that that actually i feel like japanese uh language does well and and obviously like the the best example of it is like the german language is like creating words for mm-hmm. things or for for abstract concepts mm-hmm. that are like like I, I mean I it, I could use an example is the best way but like Schadenfreude right right Schadenfreude is is the best example of this where it's like the Germans know a feeling that many people feel and they named mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. that I think in Japanese, there's a, like a, something for like a stack of books that you, you need to read, but you keep putting off reading. This is in line with all of those things, right? Like, yeah, this, and this is important. This is, this is how we connect. Like language is how we connect. And mm-hmm. so, 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 so you're so right that the coolest part about this is that she wrote this down. Which mm-hmm. is clearly like a, a, a very like kind of an intimate detail about herself. 
and a mm-hmm. vulnerable thing. Um, and yet, clearly other people agree with her. And so yeah. it's it obviously merits a Wikipedia article. I love that it has 8,000 words written about it. Mm-hmm. And what I and so like what's great is like there's a lot of talk about people trying to figure out the cause of it. Right. And there's there seems to be like two general camps, and I love this as like, um, as just like a conceptual idea is like one of the one of the camps is trying to find some a way more concrete reason, like whether it has something to do with the chemicals in the books, the scent. You know, some kind of trigger based on the ink, things like that. And then the other hypothesis or like the other camp, more or less, seems to be way more about, you know, like our body's responses to psychosomatic triggers. Um, I I which, believe that much more which, strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Which very much like keeps the idea that it's not real. Yeah. In the sense that it's, you know, not something that if you're near books, you're going to shit yourself. But the, I mean, the associate, this is actually something that likely will be um, as um, kind of antiquified as the glass delusion that we Mm -hmm. talked about in the sense that, think about in 1986, the association with reading was something that you did on the toilet. Like mm-hmm. for for decades, like I would say that probably a large percentage of people, a plurality of people did the majority of their reading while they were taking a shit. Yeah. And so that's the association. I think that that's like pretty clear, but it's also something that in 2021 doesn't have a very strong association at all. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't, I don't, I don't read on the toilet. I don't keep a book. When I was growing up, we had a bookshelf next to our toilet. Yeah, yeah. And we don't do that. I, like, I no, am on my phone. phone. And then if you leave your phone when you're taking a shit, like, and you don't have your phone, it's like, it's like. Uh, the longest 60 seconds. It's like when you're on your phone and taking a shit, it's a very normal five minutes. Yeah. And if you're not looking at your phone, it's the longest 90 to 120 seconds of your life. Truly. It's very um, weird, but yeah, yeah. I th- I think there is something that's interesting, like how it, it this would never exist in the U.S. Like this just doesn't exist in the U.S. because even the idea of hanging around a bookstore is way more of a niche activity for people who are literary types. Yeah. While in Japan, it's just like the idea of like perusing a bookstore. Because, well, yeah. I mean, isn't don't you think that um, like manga? is like yeah. a huge part of that i think that's that's a huge part of it and just the idea of like short novellas mm. that you can just pick up and read on like and and of course you read it on the train like americans right largely are in their cars so they have to do audiobooks podcasts you know like japanese people are constantly reading right books and so i can see i can see the idea of books and bookstores being so routine that it becomes part of your fucking like body clock yeah needing to take a shit well also doesn't i mean something that you talked about and i find so interesting about tokyo Mm -hmm. specifically is that like your home is like 
not a super homey place. No. Like it's it's like because it's so dense. Like it's a place where you sleep, but yeah. you're like you're spending so much more time in the world. And so mm-hmm. like the comfort of a bookstore in, you know, the hustle and bustle of a big city, it's very comfortable. I mean, I would imagine yeah. it pro- pro- provides the relief that would be necessary to be like, oh, I'm ready to shit. I think, <laughs> and I think that's what, that's like a very interesting thing about, I think, the imagery of a studio apartment in Asia, right? In East Asia. Mm-hmm. It's like, it always feels so like cluttered and almost hoardery. But right. it's just like the use of space is just so different and the use of like right. items and all that. Um, so I do sometimes look at my room and wonder if I'm just like subconsciously very uh, ingrained in that still. So, so do so you think do you think that this this Mariko Aoki uh, phenomenon, do you feel that it is largely cultural or do you do you think that there is like a universality to it too? I think no, I think it is there is a culture element to it because I do think it is tied into you know like t- needing to take a shit is one something very private for most people and two like very location specific. Um and so I think there is kind of like a subconscious like Japanese bookstores maybe have bathrooms or are in buildings with bathrooms. That, that, um, I was actually about to ask that because one of the things that I find a great grand anxiety for myself um, mm-hmm. and I think is particularly hard is like shitting in an American city uh, is not easy, not because of the anxiety of like, um, oh, I, performance. Like, I don't know if I can mm-hmm. in public, but right. you can't find a public bathroom. You can't, you, you cannot, like, you cannot find, if you go to the Sawtell neighborhood in Los Angeles, uh-huh. every single bathroom apparently is out of order. Every single one. They say, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, the bathroom's out of order. You can't, yeah. you cannot shit in public in the United States. At least in at least in Mexico, you pay five pesos to use a restroom. Uh, in the United States, you you don't even get that option, you know. Yeah, no. You can't even because it's like it's like it's beneath it's beneath people to even charge. I wouldn't even even to be honest, that part of capitalism wouldn't even bother me that much because it's like. You know what? Like a bathroom is uh, not necessarily common property. If you're gonna charge me a dollar to use the bathroom when I'm in public, like that sucks. But at least, at least there's access to it, and it's that's so interesting. Cause to me, it's bathrooms. Because to me, a bathroom, it's like, yo, you should be able to find it quick. They should be public. <sighs> You should, you should, but if the, if the, like, in the sliding scale, like, I think not having, the, the fact that there are no bathrooms at all available is more reprehensible than charging for bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I don't, and I, maybe that's, like, obvious, but it, it, it's weird in the States that, 
the fact that public bathrooms like don't exist in the United States really at all, besides that maybe at like major beaches and parks, yeah. I guess. But like even I, those, I mean, if you were to go to to fifteen parks in Southern California, I'll bet five to ten of them the bathrooms would be closed down because of like you know the quote unquote and, risk of homeless people. And even if and even if they were open, they I would rather hold it yeah. most of the time. Yeah, yeah. The bathrooms are not nearly as nice. Well, yeah. I mean, so, I, I can't even comprehend having lived in a culture or place where, like, a public bathroom is not just an absolute horror movie, too. Yeah, where I'm like not worried about like the dirt because they have they have automatic uh, disinfectant dispensers where you're supposed to put a little bit of toilet paper under it. And it sprays onto the toilet paper and you wipe down the seat and shit. Hmm. Like, they need public bathrooms because people are always out. Yep. For the reason we, we talked about. Um, and so I think there is, like, over, you know, if, if the city exists for 50 years in the way that it does, and you get someone like me who's who lived their whole life there growing up, then I think my body would physically change to match the routines of the city totally. as opposed to just my personal. So I do think there is, there is like a inaccessibility to this phenomenon in the States. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the fact that my first reaction in my head was, uh, like the anxiety of trying to know whether a bathroom would be available if I felt like mm-hmm. I had to shit in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that is not a part of your calculus on this, no. that's wild to me. So one thing I do implore is if you're interested in like, if you find Japanese shit funny, it, it is worth reading um, like the scientific method with which they approach trying to f- get to the bottom of this. There are so many subsections so many okay i'm just gonna read everything all the sections under uh pathological condition and observation standard explanatory models olfactory stimulation hypothesis oh my god under which there's chemical substances and conspiracy hypothesis the last one is metaphysical theories awareness of internal self japanese literary figure tatsuo tsukimura tsukimura tatsuo I'm going to stop trying to anglicize these names, has examined the phenomenon in terms of the shared characteristics of reading and defecation. He holds that when a person reads a book, she is separating herself from external stimuli and meditating through her mind to the universe of knowledge. And defecation is an existential activity through which the interior and exterior of a human are connected. Tsukimura concludes that since both activities share the characteristic of triggering awareness of the internal self, it is sufficiently reasonable that a defecation urge might arise when in a bookstore. Wow. I like that. That's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's something yeah, there's something very poetic about it. They, yeah, and they even say like this is you know, it, it it occurs at a higher rate in literary people in the literary industry blah 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 so you're gonna get a lot of like flowery poetic language about <laughs> yeah, yeah shit in a book and it's in japan and it's about a phenomenon about living in the city i mean this is like 
modernist Japanese writing. There's absolutely some sort of passage in a Murakami novel about <laughs> about this phenomenon somewhere. But yeah, so that's the Mariko Aoki phenomenon, um, which is also going to be the name of my jazz fusion prog reggae. I like it. Ooh. EDM band. EDM band. <laughs> Those are two words that hardly ever go together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for that band, and I love, I love that um, that topic. That is very fun, and I subscribe to it. I believe it. I don't necessarily know if I experience it myself, but there are a number of built-in cultural reasons that I may not. Uh, And uh, I'm not discounting. All right, so. I wanted to unpack and figure out my New Year's resolution on our episode. Okay. Okay. Uh, and and so to do that, yes. we are starting at an article that I subscribe to, want to subscribe to more, but also need to kind of unpack what it all means. Okay? Okay. Okay. So the article is Ethical Consumerism. Ah, that's good. And so this is this is my this is what I, I am this is what I want out of this year is that I want to be more mindful mm-hmm. and and more deliberate about mm-hmm. how I interact with the kind of system that we live in um and and so ethical consumerism as it is stated in um wikipedia is uh is alternatively called ethical consumption ethical Mm -hmm. purchasing moral Mm -hmm. purchasing ethical sourcing ethical shopping and it's also associated with sustainable and green consumerism Mm -hmm. it's a type of consumer activism based on the concept of dollar voting it is practiced through the buying of ethically made products that support small-scale manufacturers and local artisans, protect animals and the environment, and boycott products that exploit children as workers, are tested on animals, or damage the environment. Hmm. So that's kind of broad, you know, like it's like a, kind of a, yeah. a broad, and, it, and it's like this is a, this is to me an interesting topic because it is unquestionably good. Right. But then you start to talk about whether it is possible, yes, futile, or um misguided. And I think that all three of those are potentially true. And so this yes. is why I want to talk about it, why I want to have a little bit of a kind of a, a conversation that, you know, potentially mm-hmm. some listeners will listen to and figure out like ways to be mindful about this stuff while also being realistic about them yeah and i think that's because all right so so i think i'll jump straight into the critiques that i have in my head um specifically so so there's a a pretty widespread and common um expression especially in anarchism but also (laughs) like in socialist and communist uh, segments which Mm -hmm. is there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Mm-hmm. 
yeah and so all right so like that's first let's talk about that right i okay so i uh, i agree i do too but i do also understand that it is physically impossible to do that yeah and and i think in many cases that expression there is no ethical consumption under capitalism is Mm -hmm. used as a as a um an excuse right Mm-hmm. for for bad behavior or 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 to to hand wave mm-hmm. our own personal responsibility on these things mm-hmm. and i don't disagree i will say that first of all mm-hmm. because i do think that the flaws of the system the flaws of leadership the flaws of those who hold power mm-hmm. outweigh any of our personal decisions to a point of complete um, meaninglessness or complete destruction, at least as it stands right now. Right. And so, yeah. so this is one of the things that I'm curious about or I'm trying to figure out is that, like, I don't think... I don't think that, or I do think that despite all that, it makes sense that one should strive for ethical consumption or ethical consumerism. Like you, you, Mm -hmm. you can't be like, all right, well, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. So therefore I get to do whatever the fuck I want. You you shouldn't, you should know that your personal decisions Mm -hmm. don't affect the larger graph one way or another. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't give you a right to do whatever you want. I think I think it, it kind of like the easiest way to understand it is like the voting thing. Voting yeah. and and actually the easiest way to understand it right now is coronavirus. One of the things that I have been kind of like grappling with in the sense of ethical consumerism mm-hmm. that is like the sweet spot of what I think is important Mm-hmm. is that clearly there is something deeply wrong about the way that we live as it stands right now. Like, mm-hmm. it is um, hollow and um, affectless and mm-hmm. and in some way bleak. And, and, yeah. and I label myself a progressive proudly mm-hmm. but we are hurtling into a world and a culture where we we don't we don't have any the the materialism and consumerism doesn't give us any reason to live right no because it's just more it's it's like playing fucking that farmville shit yeah, it's, it's like playing those kinds of games. Consumption is not it, it there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing beautiful about it. And and to 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 let your life be controlled right by that. Mm-hmm. And so and so one of the things about it is that we had especially pre-industrial revolution but even well after it we mm-hmm. had very clear 
understanding of how the world worked. And then we developed machines that allowed us to no longer have to understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. And so, like, because like, everything that I think about, especially with ethical consumerism and consumption, really comes back to food for me. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is, like, I want to be more cognizant of, like, where my meat is coming from. Right. And if I can't afford that meat that I know mm-hmm. where it's sourced from, then I don't buy that meat that day. Like, I don't eat that mm-hmm. meat. I want to eat food that is in season, that has been mm-hmm. grown local to me. Because these are things, these are things that it feels very possible that mm-hmm. because of technology, we moved past the point where we were supposed to go. Like, like, mm-hmm. like there is a certain, like you, you mentioned the end of history earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. And I think I'm not subscribing to this mm-hmm. on its exact level, but it feels like it's possible that a God created this earth, mm-hmm. not understanding that human sentience would get to this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we almost know too much. We know, we know more than we are supposed to have known and right, we have right. done more than we are supposed to have done. It's like you've completed the entire game. Yeah. And now you're just kind of running around now with literally nothing and and, and with all the powers in the world. Like you've you've yeah. beaten the game and now and now you get to do what like it's a sandbox and you get to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And it's very dangerous. But when you can like teleport, ev- when you can teleport everywhere on the map, then even that, even the idea of going to all these places, discovering these places, doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. So it's just we're just there. Okay. I think that, and you know what's funny is this is this is what I mean when about the simulation. Like when I was trying to specify what I consider the simulation versus how I think it's talked about a lot by the lay person which I includes me mm-hmm. um, is the simulation is this idea that nature is only one subset of our human experience sure. when the reality is that nature is the entirety of the construct of our real world. Right. And we think the real world is buildings and shit and, you know, capitalist structures and cycles and graphs yeah our bank accounts yeah yeah and then meanwhile all that shit is like fucking falling apart and what's the fucking point yeah no it's it's so it's true Mm -hmm. um and that kind of leads into the second critique Uh uh-huh so the first being that there is no ethical consumption you're 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 shit out of luck um the second one in our current in yeah. our current state. The second one is that ethical this dollar voting, right? Which was mm-hmm. which was in the first paragraph, right? Mm-hmm. And dollar voting is the idea that that you as a consumer honor a company f- for doing things the right way by buying their product, right? Mhm. Dollar voting, and with it, ethical consumerism, Mm -hmm. 
is a bourgeois fantasy. Mm -hmm. And it is classist in its own right. And it is and it is fundamentally flawed because if we continue to ask the market to do the right thing, mm-hmm. ask ask corporations, free enterprises to do the right thing, and we mm-hmm. honor them with our dollar, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's going to... The amount of problems that that creates in its own right is <laughs> yeah. is astronomical. It's going to create a class war, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be an ethical consumer because I can, and then judge a lower <laughs> class person or a working class person who cannot. That's the thing. Also, I can't really. That's the other thing right. is that like like right. like none <laughs> yeah. none of us can none of us actually can be ethical consumers because mm-hmm. we depend on a free market to tell us what we can and cannot do. That this is the limbo that I think is 21st century middle class America where like yeah we're like very privileged we are we have the technology to have this conversation two cities apart record all of it and put it out for anyone in the world for people in finland to listen to and yet we are not we are not at a station in life that you could you would call middle class or comfortable in the way that like we have been trained to think there's a great graph of like um Items that have gotten more or less expensive based on the cost of inflation since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so like technology is something that has gotten way, way, way less expensive. Right. And yet healthcare, housing, um, uh, tuition, like mm-hmm. these things are like astronomical, like, like, multiple x more even with inflation than they were in the 1950s yeah and so yeah we've created a world where it's very easy honestly you you don't need to be a a a wealthy person at all to have a laptop Mm -hmm. and download zoom and create a podcast and and do this yeah i mean i saw a dude laying on the side of the street with a better iPhone than I did. Yeah, and 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 it's very actually very difficult to be an ethical consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh and and that's not to say that it's something to be proud of because if you're if you're like actively talking about how proud you are of it then you're misunderstanding how fucking warped mm-hmm. and screwed up it is that someone like you should be able to be the poorest person in the United States and be a vegan if you wanted to. Yeah. But you can't. I don't think that you physically can. I think that you would die. Like, I just don't... Because I don't think that you have the the institutional support mm-hmm. of, like, finding the meals and finding the... Like, what do you do if you can't cook dinner that night? What, and you And you can afford a $6 meal for dinner. Can you find a vegan meal? 
No. I don't think you can. No. You, you could go buy a can of chickpeas, but like, where's the, where is the, um, there's, there's no, there's no dignity in that. We, we don't allow people to have dignity in the things that they choose in their life. Yeah. And the only people that get the dignity, you have to be middle class right. or higher. Right. In order to have dignity in your choices. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, this stuff in in new year's is something that i could be proud of like of right. saying like i'd make the right decisions but i can only do that because of a certain station in life that i'm in mm-hmm. you know i do like the alt i sit in an interesting spot in terms of like eating meat and i think it, it has to do with where i'm from and it's just like to me the the violence against animals and plants as a base to me is like you know you get what you need you eat it's a circle of life blah 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 yeah so the idea of being vegan alone is an american concept it is and 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 i would agree i think that there is nothing inherently unethical about eating meat mm-hmm. i really really do believe that i'm yeah. not and, and and i but i also and i'm not a vegan you right, know right. That. yeah I, eat quite a bit of meat um but it's certainly like the american consumption model is not yeah not not ethical in its own right i definitely Uh, have to like put it out of my mind to eat meat like i eat meat all the time but it it makes me think like i think about it almost every so so i have a great term this is a trivia term i love it um a veblen good v-e-b-l-e-n wow that's uh, a fun so word for me it's a great it's a and it's a great term it's a, something that is very like um usable a veblen good is a type of luxury good for which the demand for a good increases as the price increases in apparent oh. contradiction of the law of demand mm-hmm. resulting in an upward sloping demand curve that's um, some bourgeois shit if i've ever heard it's the most bourgeois thing of all time. Yeah. And, but I am not unconvinced that in the United States, like organic and free range and all of these kind of like grocery items and terms aren't Veblen goods. Mm-hmm. And that is such an issue when I think about it in my head. So I actually, another fun game I'm going to play. Um, so in the the ethical consumerism Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. uh, they list a number of standards and labels that are labeled on food. Okay. And I want I'm going to read them off. I want you to tell me if any of these, to you as a consumer, I want you to be yeah. completely honest, yeah. make you feel like a you would be more inclined okay. to buy that product mm-hmm. and B, you think that be by buying that product, you're getting a better quality product. Right. Right. Okay. Market right? research brain. All right. B corporation, co-op marquee, dolphin safe, EKO energy, equal exchange, ethical consumer, fair trade, free range poultry, FSC certified, grass fed beef, Green America, Halal, Kosher, Local Food, MSC Certified, 
no pork, no lard, organic food, organic trade association, product red, rainforest alliance, recycled, respects your freedom, shade grown coffee, social accountability 8000, union made or vegan. I've I have been taught in my life to question things in a way that may has made me throw away all of those terms in my head as nothing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I haven't considered enough. any of those words seriously in so long. Like organic they add a dollar and they say they don't use some kind of pesticide and it's it's a minimal difference. And well and that's the other thing is that you can't taste the difference. Yeah. You, no. Like I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone can. I, I don't no, feel like, is, like if all... I bought organic kale and and regular kale, I can't taste the difference. This is all so, profit margin, fucking corporate. There is no bullshit. ethical consumption under capitalism, right? Like, yeah, we we're stuck here. And but what do we do? What do, what? Do, so what does this mean? And and what is the way forward mm-hmm. for a truly working class like ethical consumerist mindset and one of the things one of the things is that any so uh this is this is from the anti-consumerism wikipedia article Uh uh-huh it says anti-consumerism protesters point out that the main responsibility of a corporation is to answer only to shareholders, giving human rights and other issues almost no consideration. Right. The management does have a primary responsibility to their shareholders, uh-huh. since any philanthropic activities that do not directly serve the business could be deemed to be a breach of trust. Mm. So this, in in and of itself, to me, is like the like the core issue of capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like the exact main nugget of issue is that like i do i i in a in a world that i create no one's responsibility is only to their shareholders right Right. like that doesn't make sense to me as something that people should advocate for under any situation yeah i Um, agree there's a reason the word shareholder leaves a bitter taste in people's mouths and and it's because in movies the word is constantly used negatively and there's a reason for that yeah and so i guess in my head i'm going to try like if i can try and shop like hyper locally mm-hmm. and like directly from farmers markets mm-hmm like you can avoid the buzzwording grocery right. store tactics right mm-hmm. like but i mean it's it's not sustainable and i'm i'm struggling with it because it's something that i would like to do i would like to feel good about this yeah i don't know i mean and, i mean I'm, there's I'm, all yeah i'm a little that, lost yeah it's fucking it's tough it's a double-edged sword a hundred percent yeah, I mean, we've created a world. We've created a world where the like all of the 
avenues of consumption are off mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like you've got the you've got this like bourgeois mindset of like i oh i want to be an ethical consumer mm-hmm. and they do this by like shopping in the right places with right. the right buzzwords mm-hmm. at an added price mm-hmm. so that the so it works mm-hmm. but they're not they don't understand that their personal actions mm-hmm. and their personal willingness to buy at that price means that it is a luxury good the thing that could sustain and 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 not like and not that that like there should there should just be more makers right there should be less like there should not be one corporation mm-hmm. making 2 billion bushels of tomatoes yeah that have been like artificially stopped early mm-hmm. so that they're the exact type of ripeness that mm-hmm. is good for the grocery store and there should be well and also if you don't live in a place where tomatoes grow you don't eat tomatoes. You eat what grows <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, that's the yeah. other thing too. Is like we've yeah. we've created. I, I mean, I'm like I'm. I understand that I'm like spinning out here. No, but, no. I mean, this is you're all all the shit you're saying is I think right. It's it's makes my head spin though. Like it 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 really is like there is no end mm-hmm. and no beginning mm-hmm. to trying to lead a more ethical life. Mm-hmm. Unless you accept that you can't, that you can only do it yourself, and I, I hate that. Like I, I, yeah. I refuse. I refuse to take, and I, I feel like it's almost as unethical to take an ethical mindset mm-hmm. that is completely ignoring the, because you're doing it for yourself, you know, right. But, I don't know. Man, well, I'm like really no, but that's the thing. In circles here. No, 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 no. But I think that's the that's we we can't get out of it. To truly get out of this, to really, really get out of this as people, we have to go back to being hunter gatherers. And that sounds right. like a joke, yeah. but like, yeah, like the moment, or at the was, very least, pre-industrial. But at the same time, yeah. there were so many. I mean, the issues of yeah, like to do it at the level that we we would love to, that you and I would love to. We would have to go thousands of years back. Yeah, or 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 maybe never. Like that, that's right. the other thing is maybe it just never. Maybe it's like the the realization that that life is full of this. I mean, this is a Woody Allen quote, but it's like <laughs> life is full of mis- pain, misery, and suffering, and it's all over much too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you just. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an impossibility. A f- first tenet of Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, true. It's the first thing they teach you. Um, but, you know, like, this makes me wonder, like, I wish I really knew the intricacies of the trajectory of electric cars. Hmm. I want to know truly who it was that pushed for electric cars to be even developed. Was it scientists who were talking about exhaust was it consumers who were starting to get worried about that 
was it shareholders who were saying you know people aren't for some reason we're not getting enough money from people buying regular cars we need something new and fun like what was the real reason why electric cars are now starting to be more viable what was the push there's a there's a movie about it right who killed the electric car yeah um so in 2006 there's a documentary i remember seeing Mm -hmm. called who killed the electric car Mm -hmm. uh have you seen it no i think it's i think it's worth maybe that'll be our old business but uh because yeah i hate to give any credit to elon musk because he's such a fucking moron no i absolutely don't tesla (laughs) teslas are a fucking status symbol so that's the other thing it's a it's a veblen good it's a veblen good like how on earth you are yeah one of and the most, we are in our yeah. lives where the idea of bettering the world versus just surviving in it as an individual is starting to be like a really difficult thing to balance yeah, absolutely and i don't i don't want to i don't want to give in in the sense uh, to the idea of just like, well, you got to do what you got to do to make it through, you know, like settle emotionally, so to speak, because that's kind of what has happened so much in the 20th century with like the boomers are a perfect example, in my opinion, of a generation of people who knew a bunch of moral, ethical stuff and forgot about it because you had to to fucking survive. No, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, it's, uh, I understand that mindset. And I don't think that it is, I don't think that that mindset is the reason for all of society's ills, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't disparage anyone who is so kind of, personally i don't want to say lost but but like like that feels that feels like there's no other option because because life is hard enough like it truly is you know what i mean like it it fucking it it, it's relentless Mm -hmm. and it, it it comes at you constantly and to to start to contemplate your existence in the community Mm -hmm. Beyond just like, okay, I want to be good to my friends and family and be nice to strangers on the street. First of all, it is almost always going to be a a constant lifelong battle that you don't get to see the end results of. Right. Um, but... As someone who doesn't have a religion to kind of fill that void, mm-hmm. I feel like I have to. Like I feel like I, I feel like yeah. the ethics require me to mm-hmm. to 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 do this, like to choose the positive path, you know. I think you know, to go back to Buddhism, you know, mm-hmm. Siddhartha said being rich and being a prince is not it so he became an ascetic monk and came out of that going 
this isn't it either. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I think I think that's probably a good place to end on. But yeah, if I appreciate you're not the listeners. I appreciate are. you helping me to unpacking the. Uh, yeah. So what's the, the final consumerism trap? What's I think I'm gonna final? go to a farmer's market tomorrow. Nice. And uh, if I, um, I just don't. I'm not convinced that I can even go to a farmer's market and live. I'm gonna try. The 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 moral of the story is I'm gonna try. You're gonna try. And, I'm gonna try. Uh, you know. And that's as good as you can do in the modern world. Exactly. And like it, you know, where you got to do some trade-offs. Where maybe you eat. You've had a week where you were like, "Damn, I ate a lot of shit that I didn't think about." Then you try to, you know, drive your car a little less the next week or some shit. Exactly. You just gotta you push the needle, baby. Push. We're, that we're needle, gonna do what we can, man. We're gonna do what we can. We're gonna do what we can. And All on right, that Rich. note, hey, yeah. hey, thank you guys. Um, if you, uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you very much. If it's not, thank you as much more more more, even even more maybe yeah if you're back Um, then thank you times however many episodes you listen to uh please uh follow us on twitter and instagram Mm -hmm. uh if you have a question or would like to get in touch with us you can get in touch at pegalian friendship simulator at gmail.com um and uh donate to wikipedia i know they've been asking for it yeah and take it sleazy take it sleazy y'all